Good evening. If you would, everybody, turn your Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 16. We're going to be looking through verses 19 through 31. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus. A story of two men. Two men who had different lots in this life. Two men who had two different destinations at their death. Two men who had different beliefs, and ultimately, those different beliefs determine their ultimate destination. Let's pray and ask God's help before we start. Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you as our brother Gary so often mentions, Father, the second blessing on Sunday, Lord. We thank you. You fed us. You fed us to our hearts. We're content this morning, Lord. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love that he has shown for us. How he bore our sins. How we are kept by him in this life. We thank you so much for that, Father. I pray that you'd help me, Lord, your unworthy servant tonight as I preach your word. Help your people as they hear it, Lord. Let May they be edified. And above all things, Lord, may you be glorified. In Christ's name we do pray and ask it. Amen. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19, let's read through the text. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus, in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, rememberest thou that in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted. And thou art tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would sendeth him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. A very familiar passage 
And there's very much to unpack in this. Verse 19 through 21, we'll see the contrast between two men. It says, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. He had a good life. He had everything his heart desired. Everything that this world could afford him was at his fingertips. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at the gate full of sores. Lazarus had nothing. Nothing of this life. A beggar. Laid at the rich man's steps. The rich man was not willing to share what he had. We see here in verse 21, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The rich man had much. Lazarus had nothing. A comparison between two men and what they had in this life. If you would turn to Psalms chapter 17, I'd like to show you a few things about this life. And those who fare sumptuously in this life versus those who have little. Psalm chapter 17. Look at verses 9 and 10. From the wicked that oppress me from my deadly enemies who compass me about, they are enclosed in their own fat with their mouth. They speak proudly. Verse 13 through 15. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down. Deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. From men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world which have their portion in this life, and whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure. They are full of children and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. The oppression of the rich on the poor, spoken of here. Psalm 37, if you'd look there. The psalmist gives a contrast between the people of this world and the people of God. A contrast between two men. Verse 1 and 2 of 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves 
in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Jimmy spoke about Genesis chapter 3 verses 15 this morning. The first mention of the gospel in the Bible. In that very same verse it speaks of two seeds. The seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. We see that here in this text. Two different seeds. Psalm 73, if you turn there. Psalm 73, look at it, verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. We see the wicked prospering. We see here Lazarus sitting at this rich man's step wanting crumbs and this rich man was so cold that he, he wouldn't even give him crumbs from his table verse 12 behold these are the ungodly who prosper in the world they increase in riches verse 16 when I thought to know this it was too painful to me until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely thou didst set them in a slippery place. Thou casteth them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. We'll see here as we go what happened to the rich man when he died. He was on a slippery slope. His hope was not built upon the rock. We notice also that the rich man was nameless. He was not given a name. The Bible doesn't even speak of this man. Lazarus was named. Lazarus was known. The rich man was not. If you would, turn to Revelations chapter 20. And the whole point of this message tonight is the destination of this rich man and the terror that he will experience for all eternity in hell. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
Now we know for sure that this rich man will be cast into the lake of fire that day because he is in hell now. His name was not written in this book. He is a nameless figure who fared sumptuously in this life. Luke 13, if you turn there, Our Lord Jesus Christ preached more in hell than anyone in the Bible that He's given us. Luke 13, look at verse 25. When once the master of the house has risen up and it has shut the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he has shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence you are. Then ye shall begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know not whence ye are. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom. And behold, there at last shall be first and those that are first shall be last. Verse 12, the parable of the ten virgins, I just read it to you. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. The truth of the matter is, it's not a decision that we make to be put into the kingdom. Are you known by God? Are you his child? Has your name been written in the book, as the scripture says, from the foundation? of the world. Daniel chapter 12 if you turn there. God gave Daniel a vision of this last day in chapter 12. We'll look at verses 1 and 2. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Who will be delivered? Those who are written in the book. Back to our text in Luke 16, if you go back there, we'll look at verses 22 through 25. We just looked at the contrast between two men. We'll look at the contrast between two places. Verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. 
And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Notice he was awake. He could see. He could see Abraham. He could see Lazarus. He knew who Lazarus was. This poor beggar that he shunned every day and would not even give him crumbs from his table. Showed no mercy. Now this man desires mercy. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing, seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, rememberst thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy the good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things. But now he is comforted, and thy are tormented. The rich man was tormented, and Lazarus was comforted. The great reversal, as we just read in Luke's Gospel, verse 13, I'm sorry, 13, chapter 13. Those who will be last will be first. Those who will be first will be last. Revelation 14, if you turn there. We'll see here in hell that they will be awake and they will be aware. It's a reality. It's not a place of annihilation. It's a place of eternal punishment. That you will feel everything. They will see everything. Chapter 14, look at verse 10 and 11. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. In other words, it's not diluted whatsoever. The full measure of his wrath. And the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Christ will be there punishing those who did not obey his gospel. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. And they had no rest day nor night who worshiped the beast in his image, who receiveth the mark of his name. Notice right here in verse 11, it says that they have no rest day or night. There's no coffee break. There's no lunch break. There's, there's no going to sleep at night and escaping this for six to eight hours. Constant and continual punishment. What awaits those who do not know Christ? And look, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to play games. This is serious business. 
I'm not trying to mock the ungodly. I'm not, it, it, it horrifies me what will happen to them. Isaiah 34, verse 10, it says, It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke, therefore, shall go up forever from generation to generation. It shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. Second Thessalonians, if you turn there, chapter 1. We'll see that it is an everlasting destruction. Not only is it an everlasting destruction, but our text will tell us here that it is a righteous thing for God to do for His own glory. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, look verses 6 through 9. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. This scares me to death, folks. I have loved ones that have passed, and I know they're there. I have loved ones that are still here that do not know him. Mark 9, if you turn there, and I know you have the same stories as I do. Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48. Jesus speaks here about a worm that does not die or dieth not. And he repeats this three times. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off, for it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands and to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off, for it would be better for thee to enter into life halt than having two feet and be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and their fire is not quenched. Three times the worm dieth not. Many theologians believe that this worm refers to a man's conscience. Those who are damned to hell separate from God exist with them a continual guilty conscience of nagging and eating at them as a worm or a maggot gnaws at flesh that is dead. With a remorse that can never be mitigated. Persistent sorrow. As Jimmy spoke of this morning, sorrow. 
There will be everlasting sorrow. There will be remorse. There will be grief for what they have done. But there will be no salvation. There will be no one to hold them and say, okay, baby, it's going to be all right. None of that. Constant grief. The mind will never stop going over and over and over again. Every time that the gospel was presented to them and they said, no, thank you. I have nothing to do with that God. Not only the physical pain of hell, but that mental torment of going over that scenario over and over again. The flames, the worm. Oh, what horror. Matthew 13, if you turn there. And trust me, I'm not trying to scare anyone tonight. I'm telling you the truth of what the text says. Matthew 13, verse 41, speaks of wailing and gnashing of teeth in this place. Verse 41, and it says, The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend in them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Strong's Concordance says, To bite or to gnash, to grind as with the teeth, for rage or pain. You ever stumped your finger with a hammer? Driving a nail? The anger, the vitriol that some will have toward God. How dare you send me to this place? Still not sorrowful for their sins. Gnashing their teeth at God. Anger and rage. Pain of the physical torments that they're going through. And they still will not see it was their own sin that sent them there. Both sadness and anger are due to pain, not only physical pain, but utter emotional pain day and night for all eternity. No breaks, no sleep, no vacations, but continual misery and pain. Going back to our text in Luke 16, Look at verse 26 now. We'll see that the destination is final. Abraham tells him, besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither they pass to us that would come from thence. We can't go to them, and they can't come to us. John Calvin wrote this in his commentary on verse 26 of Luke 16. He says, A vast gulf lieth. These words describe the permanency of the future state and denote that the boundaries which separate the reprobate from the elect can never be broken through. 
And thus we are reminded to return early to the path while there is yet time, lest we rush headlong into that abyss from which it will be impossible to rise. The words must not be strictly interpreted when it is said that no one is permitted to pass who would wish to descend from heaven to hell. For it is certain that none of the righteous entertain any such a desire as this. You will not be in heaven in paradise with your Lord Jesus Christ and see one of your loved ones burning in hell and say, I don't want you, Christ. I want to go to them. That will not happen. What you will honestly say is, Lord, you are just for doing what you did. And that's hard for us to wrap our minds around still being wrapped in this flesh. But the truth is that everyone that will go to hell and suffer these torments, it is a righteous thing for God to recompense unto them this. Revelation 21, if you turn there. Revelation 21, verse 27. There'll be met no passing over. There'll be no second chance. And there shall in no wise enter in into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's not a second chance. Even if they repent. I mean, we see this rich man seem like he had a repentive heart. Please have mercy on me. I made a mistake. How many of you think that those who lifted up their eyes in hell had the same thought in their mind, the worst thing words come out of their mouth? I've made a grave mistake. Isaiah 52 verse 1 says, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth thou shalt no more come unto thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. There will none be come in that defileth, that are unclean, that are uncircumcised. Back to our text in Luke 16, we'll look at verses 27 through 28. And we'll see the rich man's plea here for his brothers. Even those in hell don't want their loved ones to come to this place of utter torment. He says here in verse 27, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him into my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. The rich man did not want to see his brothers end up in this place. He strong-armed God his whole life. He wanted nothing to do with him. But when he woke up in this place, Surely he did not want anyone he loved to come there. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, if you turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 
Solomon says here in verse 3 and 4, it says, This is an evil among all the things that are done under the sun, and there is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and the madness in their heart while they live. And after that they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. If you are alive today, God has given you space to repent. And I encourage you, turn to Christ and turn from your sins. There is no second chance after you breathe your last breath. Acts chapter 17, if you'd look there, Jimmy quoted this this morning. And he made a good point to say this. The gospel is not just for the elect. The gospel is to all. Acts chapter 17, look at verses 30 through 20, I'm sorry, 30 through 31. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why? Next verse. Because he hath appointed a day in the which will he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom hath he ordained. Wherefore he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. This same Christ that died and paid for our sins, those of us who are believers, is the same one who will be the judge on that day. Back to our text in Luke 16, verses 29 through 31. And this is the chilling, the most chilling part of the whole thing. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Him speaking of Lazarus himself going to his brothers. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rose from the dead. And I've been mulling over this the whole week. Even if one were to be raised from the dead, who was raised from the dead? Our Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He was spoken about of Moses. He was prophesied of by the prophets. God confirmed His message by raising Him from the dead. And they will still not believe. goes back to Genesis 3.15. Two seeds. Seed of the serpent. Seed of the woman. One lineage with their names written in the book of life. 
one with their lineage not written in the book of life. That's some hard truth now. First Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. If you would, turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, look at verses 24 through 29. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. He's not talking about a resurrection at the last day. He's talking about dead sinners hearing the gospel and being awakened by the Holy Spirit to believe. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself. And he hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which that all in the graves that shall hear his voice shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Not only a Savior, but a judge. Verse 37 in the same chapter. He says this, And the Father Himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His shape. And ye have not His word abiding in you for whom He has sent. Him ye believe not. They did not believe Christ. They did not believe His word. And they're claiming to be of the Father. He said, If you don't believe me, you don't believe Him because He sent me. And the Father Himself which has sent me hath bore witness. You have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His shape. And you have not His word abiding in you. For whom He has sent, Him you believe not. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which shall testify of Me. And notice here in verse 40 it says, And you will not come to Me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. I come in my Father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him will you receive. How can you believe which receive honor from one another and seek not to honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Jesus Christ clearly said right there, you are not of mine. Because they could not hear. My sheep hear my voice and they come to them. They could not hear. 
Matthew chapter 13. Let's look, let's look here. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus speaks here about those who can hear. Versus what he just said in John 5 of those who cannot. Chapter 13, look at verse 10. And remember in all this, we're painting the picture of two men. Two men in that parable. Verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Well, hold up. Did Jesus just say that he doesn't want some to understand? Folks, that's what the Bible teaches. That's hard to swallow. Verse 12, For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But to whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that what he hath. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. Luke 8 verse 10 he said, And he unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing that they may not understand. If you would turn to Isaiah chapter 6, I'd like you to see something. A glorious passage of Scripture. Isaiah seen the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of His robe filled the temple. And there were seraphim everywhere. He was in the throne room of God seeing Jesus Christ. And you would think, man, this is an awesome thing. But what does Isaiah say in this? He says, woe unto me. For I am a man of unclean lips that dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips, and I have seen the Lord of glory. He was aware that he was in the presence of a holy God. Name written in the Lamb's book of life, but still aware of his sin. And he says, I am undone. How much sore were those who are not written in the Lamb's book of life? when they come across that king on that day. And it says, The angel took a coal from the fire and placed it on his lips. And it says, Son, your sins have been forgiven. And we'll start off in verse 8. This leads up to that. In verse 8, 
Isaiah said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for thus? Us. And he said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. And I have heard sermon after sermon after sermon that stopped right there. This was the message that Isaiah was to preach. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. <clears throat> It wasn't a Jesus loves you. Hey man, hey, man, Jesus loves you. Just accept Christ into your heart. Everything will be good. He'll bring you places that you never thought. Yeah. That's not the message of the gospel. The Bible says that he came into his own, but his own received him not. Why did they receive him not? They didn't have eyes to see, nor ears to hear. Verse 11, he says, Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord hath removed men far away, and there be a great forsakening in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Even in the midst of that, God had a remnant yep. for himself. Remember Elijah? Lord, I'm the only one left. And he said, no, 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 no. I got 5,000 reserved unto myself who have not kneeled a knee unto Baal. It says in the book of Romans, unto this day there is still a remnant unto the election of grace. Jude chapter 4. I was worried this morning when Jimmy went to Jude. I was like, oh goodness, he's taking my scripture. But he went later. <laughs> that's good though same page and I'd like you to see something in Jude right here not only is hell a horrible place and a place of torment but it's a place of differing degrees of punishment to the one out in the African jungle that has never heard the word of God, has no idea whatsoever about Jesus Christ and his cross who dies and his sins, he could justifiably be sent to hell because he has not believed in Christ, because he was born a sinner. But there will be less punishment for that man than for another man who had truth and rejected it. Furthermore, a man who preached lies. And that's what we'll see here in Jude. 
Look at verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Hold up a minute. Foreordained to this? Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance that though ye once knew this, that how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. Said Jesus destroyed them in the wilderness, those who believe not. Verse 6, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto darkness, unto the judgment of the great day, even as Solomon and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are stretched forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers, talking about these false prophets, defilers of the flesh, despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Moses durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but he said, the Lord rebuked thee. Have you ever seen people that say, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus? That's what it's talking about right here. They're, they're nonsensical. They don't know what they're talking about. The archangel Michael would not even do such a thing. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, Cain was a murderer of that wicked seed and ran greedily after the error of Balaam. Balaam prophesied for money. He was a prosperity gospel preacher. For reward and perished in the gainsayings of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, those whose fruit is withered without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars. Notice, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. The worst part of hell is designed for those who preach a false gospel, who lure people away from the truth. You see them on TV. I don't have to name their names. Second Peter chapter 2, he speaks of these same people. Second Peter chapter two.
Verse 1, it says, But there were false prophets also among the people, as there shall be false teachers among you, who shall privily bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and will bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto the judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for the righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds one who was written in the book of life one who was not and the next verse sums this up brethren for the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished Oh, what fear and indignation awaits. Philippians chapter 3, just a few more verses. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 17 through 19. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Not all that say Lord, Lord are actually belong to him. Not all that stand behind a pulpit and say, Thus saith the Lord, actually say what thus saith the Lord actually says. Proverbs 15, 11. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more than the hearts of the children of men. Hell and destruction are before Him. Your heart is open before Him. He sees you. He knows your inner thoughts. He knows your inner man. There is no hiding from Him. You may be able to fool me, but you will not fool Him. Do you know Christ? Or better yet, are you known of Christ? 
Proverbs 16.25 says that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end therefore are the ways of death. Matthew 7, I'll just read it to you, verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and there be few that find it. Even if one were to come back from the dead, they would still not be persuaded. Charles Spurgeon said this of evangelism. He said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. Brothers and sisters, those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us who will be comforted that day, don't miss an opportunity to warn the unbeliever of what's to come. Warn them to flee from the wrath to come. Warn them that this Christ is not a man to be fickle with. He will come in flaming fire one day to judge this earth in righteousness. Psalms chapter 2 says that He will come with a rod of iron. And that the heathen is his inheritance. That at the name of Jesus Christ that every knee shall bow upon heaven and earth and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Either to the saving of their souls or to the submission of his beating with that rod. They will kneel one way or the other. Are you part of his kingdom or will you be conquered by his kingdom. John 3.36 says this, and before I read it, I want you to think about the two men, the contrast between the two men, the rich man and Lazarus, in the context of this scripture. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Lazarus. And he that believeth not the Son shall see not shall not see life. The rich man, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. The Scripture teaches us that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Paul said, "Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, that we persuade men." That He has given us the office of reconciliation. And I exhort you tonight, if you know not Christ, be ye reconciled to God. Those who are watching on the internet, if there be one here, I don't care if you've been in church for 50 years, 
I don't care if your name is on the roll. Do you know Christ? I'm not asking you, do you not want to go to hell? Not going to hell is just a perk of being in the kingdom. Do you want Christ? Do you see Him on that cross dying for your sins? Was it your sins that put Him there? Do you believe that? Do you believe that He died for you? As we were singing, How Great Thou Art this morning, we got to verse 3. I almost couldn't get through it. That I would think that God, His Son, not sparing, take me home. I, I scarce can take it in that on that cross, my burden gladly bearing. He loved us so much that He poured it all out. Do you know Him? Let us dismiss. Father, we thank you. We thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, dear Lord, that we don't have to worry about hell. You paid our debt. What great love you have for us, Lord, that even that while we were yet dead in our sins, you died for the ungodly. You loved your enemies. Father, I pray that this would go forth. Father, I know in your word it says that your word will not return to you void. Father, send it out to do what you please with it today. But I do pray, dear God, that you would save souls with it. I pray that you would save my loved ones, dear Lord. Just as our dear brother Spurgeon said, let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. Let us be about that business, dear God. We thank you and we give you all glory and honor. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.